0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So hello, we're back again. It's Wiki Shuffle. Hiya. Hello. Hello. Well, you've got howdy. I'm going with hiya. So we're back again. And Owen Hughes Hello. from Failed Critics is still with us, because we chanted on, and we thought, oh, we'll do a bit more of this. And Fritzled me. I couldn't
0: get out. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: he's, he's shackled to the recording desk. It turns out all three
0: of you have been fritzals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Philip Sharman. This is Jack Stewart. Hello. This is Chris Wallace. Hello. And this is Owen Hughes from off of, out of, failedcritics.com. Hello. And oh, I've got something. You've got something. Yeah, news.
2: Uh, yeah I've got. No, well, not really news, but remember on the podcast months ago when we had a listener say that I have a smooth, sexy voice? <laughs> oh, that's so that's Owen's wife. That was my nice wife. Nice little reference there. Uh, yeah. yeah, how is hmm. she?
0: She's <laughs> she banned from uh, listening to us. It's uh, yeah. a wise move. I had to. It was ruining our sex life. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought we would have enhanced it, if anything. Because yeah, just... when she said, Jack,
2: Jack. I was like, oh my oh, God, this it. is it, this is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Jack <laughs> has happens. ruined a
1: lot of sex lives.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true.
1: So for the second part, we're going to be doing some wiki shuffling with Owen, as our guest, and we've got one more article that he's brought along that we're going to do first. So, strap in... Because we're going to do bonus episode 60 of Wiki Shuffle. is your final pick that you've brought with you today. What was your motivation for choosing this article?
0: I thought it would be funny to see if you guys could try and make any sense of the plot to the film The Terror by Roger Corman from 1963. Now I've seen this film a few times. I really love Roger Corman. He's a film director and producer. In the 60s he made a lot of Edgar Allan Poe adaptations with Vincent Price. I think that's where most people know him from. Right. And I'm a big fan of Vincent Price. This film doesn't star Vincent Price. This is just a mess of... <laughs> I mean I've seen it twice. I have no idea what the plot is. I've read through this wikipedia page two or three times i have no idea what the plot is so then i'm looking forward to seeing if you guys can work it out okay, okay. that's what we do we're like detectives of the that's podcast it. world
1: so this is the 1963 film the terror which is a good name and you feel like a lot of films would like to be called the terror but they can't be because this film already exists. It is, it first. that's it it's done
2: yeah. whoa that list of directors yes like <laughs> the sub directors yeah i'm assuming can... me... I'm assuming
1: mm-hmm. Owen's the only person around the desk who's seen this film. Yeah, I've that... not seen this. The Terror 1963 is a low-budget American horror film produced and directed by Roger Corman about a French soldier who finds a mysterious woman who turns out to be a ghost. I think it seems really... Oh, so simple. Seems like, really straightforward, Owen. <laughs> I think maybe you're just not very bright. Yeah, that could <laughs> I think be that, that could be it. Just pay a bit more attention. It's too high for me, this film. Yeah. It is famous for being filmed on sets left over from other AIP... Produ- Including The Haunted Palace. The movie was also released as Lady of the Shadows, The Castle of Terror, and The Haunting. Now, you can't take both of those titles out of commission, <laughs> can you? They've mm. already got The Terror, so nobody else can call a film The Terror. You also want The Haunting. Not okay.
2: There, was also there is a, the, haunting. the Haunting. There's I two. Think. There was a remake as well. Yeah. There. Was that the one with Catherine's Eagle Gems?
1: No.
3: What am I thinking of?
1: Uh, Darling Buds of May. <laughs> oh, of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, that was the uh, House on Haunted Hill. No, she was it in, wasn't. wasn't she? Uh, the haunted hair of
2: six feet under. Yeah, I can't remember her name. Is it Liam
3: Neeson? I'm thinking of. I'm definitely thinking of a film.
2: Carry on with your <laughs> podcast. I'm going to find out
1: what I'm about. Okay, okay, you find out what you're thinking about. The movie is some. T- <laughs> <laughs> you're all right there, Chris. You just get on with, get on oh, with your research. <laughs> no, no one's ever said to me, you find out what you're thinking about. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll get on with it. <laughs> the movie is sometimes linked to Corman's series of Poe films, which were made between 1960 and 1964 based on the public domain works of Edgar Allan Poe. But the terror is not actually based on any text by Poe. If it's based on any text at all. I will be surprised. Set in 1806, the film tells the story of a lost French soldier. Chris, is there an update there? You, yes. you found out what you're thinking about? What there are you thinking about? There is a film
3: from 1999 called The Haunting with Liam Neeson. Right. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, okay. Oh, right. a
0: it's right. a big film. I really? Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. I once it was, again. Chris has proved he's not an idiot. <laughs> well, once. well, Once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> Set in 1806, the film tells the story of a lost French soldier in the Confederation of the Rhine named André Duvalier, played by Jack Nicholson, who is saved by a strange young woman named Helene, played by Sandra Knight. She looks like Ilsa, the wife of the Baron, played by Boris Karloff, who died 20 years before. Seems so simple. Seems straightforward. Investigating who the woman really is, Andre stumbles upon a hidden secret of the Baron. After he found Ilsa sleeping with another man named Eric, the Baron killed the two of them, or so he explains. All of the while, the Phantom of Ilsa remained under the control of a peasant witch, who has commanded the ghost to torment the Baron for the previous two years. Over the course of the film, Ilsa's ghost beseeches the Baron to kill himself so they could be together. After much hesitation, the Baron decides to do so, perhaps to atone for his crimes. So right there, that's where you can cut it off and that's the, that's
0: your plot. Yeah, that's, you don't hmm. need any more, you can make that into a sort of 80-minute film, right? Mm-hmm.
1: But it carries on and adds more complex layers that just convolute everything. During the climactic scenes, Andre, as well as the Baron's butler, Stefan, try to stop him, eventually forcing the witch into compliance. Here it is revealed that the witch Katrina is, in fact, the mother of Eric. Oh, oh Christ. Okay. Who was allegedly killed by the Baron 20 years before. And that is why she has tried to make him commit suicide and damn his soul to hell. In a stunning revelation, Stefan reveals that Eric never died, that it was the Baron who was killed. Eric then took the Baron's place, living his life until he deluded himself into thinking he was the Baron.
2: What was that American soap that we talked about in episode 57? General Hospital. Oh, General yeah. Hospital, yeah. 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 Is like that. So Roger Corman, <laughs> and it was also sub-directed by Francis Ford Coppola and Jack Nicholson, and this is what they've come up with. And more. And more. <laughs> What's that thing about too many cooks?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even have the limitations of the physical world that no. General Hospital has to abide by. Mm-hmm. anything goes and they really play really hard with like General Hospital
3: about things that are real world didn't so... it,
0: they shoot off into space or something at the end wasn't that what happened in General Hospital I think you know what thing. I believe you <laughs> 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 probably yeah, aliens or something
1: I had a this is a little bit off topic but I think it's a story worth telling I had a lecture from one of the guys who was instrumental when I was at university studying script writing in the early 2000s I had a lecture from a chap who was instrumental in bringing EastEnders to the screen in 1984. So he was one of the initial Mm. writers and script developers. And he was a really interesting guy and got lots of good stuff to say about how they were trying to make this thing effectively from scratch. So he set up EastEnders, you know, gave it his all, turned it into what was a very serious, very far removed from any sort of soap opera thing that had come before. Mm. So a couple of years after he'd done that, he got a phone call from the National Broadcasting um, Service in the former USSR state of Georgia. And they said, well, what we'd really like, we've seen EastEnders, we like it, can you come out here and can you set us up with an EastEnders <coughs> of our own? And they're like, yeah, it sounds fun, let's go to Georgia. Let's go to Georgia and see if we can't do this. They could not, absolutely could not, We're making this programme, not make it supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> There was so he had gone that he'd gone that on the specific brief that we're going to make this realistic, real life soap opera that will speak to the people of Georgia and they will understand it. But what the writers wanted to do was turn everything into magic and witches and legend and folklore, and they just the concept was just beyond them because you're storytelling. Why would you not have witches in it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just... Or maybe there's just a lot of ghosts in Georgia. Maybe that's it. Anyway, back to whatever the blooming heck is going on in the terror. <laughs> I'm almost tempted to re read the last paragraph because I don't understand a word of it during the climactic scenes Andre as well as the Baron's butler Stefan try to stop him eventually forcing the witch into compliance here it is revealed that the witch Katrina is in fact the mother of Eric who was allegedly killed by the Baron 20 years before and that is why she has tried to make him commit suicide and damn his soul to hell in a stunning revelation Stefan reveals that Eric never died that it was the Baron who was killed Eric then took the Baron's place living his life until he deluded himself into thinking he was the baron is it making any more sense second time through not no, really no not no. at all no. no katrina realizing her folly only too late goes with the two men to stop Eric from flooding the castle crypt and killing himself. However, she is unable to go into the mausoleum and ends up being struck by lightning and burning to death on the ground as she tries to escape. Unfortunate. In the climax of the film, Ilse's ghost attempts to kill Eric while the crypt floods and Stefan joins the struggle. However, by the time Andre gains access to the crypt, it is already flooding and crumbling and he is able to carry only Helene's body away. The film ends as the two share a touching moment together outside before Helene begins to rapidly turn into a rotting corpse hold on who's Helene? (laughs) exactly (laughs) who's Helene? right Helene is the woman who saved Jack Nicholson
0: Uh, but she looks like the wife of the Baron which is Boris Karloff's wife, but she's dead 20 years before. But Boris Karloff isn't the Baron, he's Eric. Who didn't die. Who didn't die. He just thought he was the Baron. That's about as much sense as I can make out of it. Somewhere in there Dick Miller does something to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> is it a good film? It's not a good film at all. It's just awful film. My love. My love. I'm
2: here. I am weary, Elsa. My soul cries out for relief.
3: There is but one way, Victor. No, no. The holy covenants of God forbid it. You will be forgiven. I could be sure. Take your
2: life as you took mine. Let your own hand
3: destroy you. And bring us together forever. Forever. No more torment, Victor. Forever. Forever. It's
0: one of those where, because they left off the copyright thing at the end of the credits, it's just free. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on the Wikipedia page. You can watch it on there. I don't know if I
2: should recommend anybody. (laughs) No, it's fine. Chris is our like cultural canary, so Chris. (laughs) Okay. You go down in the mines. (laughs) Right down in the mines, where Phil used to work back in the day. (laughs) You watch it. I'll watch it. Report back. Yeah, that's fine. I'll
3: do that. Something fun for me to do. I get all the fun jobs. I don't know if it's fun. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I've watched it a few times it just doesn't make sense you can even read the like description as you're going along watching the film still no clue who's on whose side who's doing what nothing gets explained but I've also seen the haunted palace so the sets are almost identical so it's weird like the two films well,
1: completely nothing to do with each yeah, other yeah that's what it says Corman decided to make the movie to take advantage of the sets left over from the Raven he paid Leo Gordon $1600 to write a script and made a deal with Boris Karloff to Be available for three days filming for a small amount of money, plus a deferred payment of $15,000 that would be paid if the film ever earned more than $150,000. Boris Karloff later recalled Corman had the sketchiest outline of a story. I read it and begged him not to do it. (laughs) (laughs) He said, That's all right, Boris, I know what I'm going to do. I want you for two days on this. I was in every shot, of course. (laughs) Sometimes I was just walking through and then I would change my jacket and walk back. He nearly killed me on the last day. He had me in a tank of cold water for about two hours. After he got me in the can, he suspended operations and went off and directed two or three operations to get the money, I suppose. The sets were so magnificent as they were being pulled down around our ears. Roger was dashing around with me and a camera two steps ahead of the wreckers. It was very funny. It does sound like fun. It's Mm. exactly how almost all of their films were made, I think. Just very
0: cheaply, very quickly. Yeah, the idea of them running around two steps ahead of the wreckers is probably not much of an exaggeration either. But I love Boris Karloff. What a great sort of iconic Mm. actor he was. But even he can't really save this very
1: much. Karloff's scenes were shot in three days by Corman. Corman then sent Francis Ford Coppola to Big Sur for three days to shoot additional footage. He ended up staying 11 days. Monty Hellman, Jack Hill and Jack Nicholson also directed some scenes. Leftover sets from other AIP films were used when shooting the film, notably those from The Haunted Palace, a Vincent Price horror film made earlier in the same year. The uniform worn by Jack Nicholson was used by Marlon Brando in Desiree. In the early 1990s, actor Dick Miller, who plays Karloff's major Domo, was hired to shoot scenes to use as a framing sequence for an overseas version of the terror. Under this scheme, the main action of the film is presented in flashback. This was done for Corman to establish some copyright in the movie Dick Miller says the payment for these scenes was the most he had ever received from Corman so 30 years later they reshot an opening to make it into a flashback
0: yeah, the whole film then plays it as a flashback.
1: Great, because it needs a bit more complication ladling on top. In May 1966, Corman told Karloff he would not be getting his deferred $15,000 <laughs> since the film never made $150,000. I don't feel surprised about that. No. However, he said he would pay the money if Karloff worked on a new, undetermined future project for Corman. This turned out to be the 1968 Peter Bogdanovich movie, Targets, which extensively used clips from The Terror. What? <laughs> So we were going to do some random shuffles with Owen, but because it's a special episode and format be damned, we'll do whatever the hell we want because we're in charge. And Jack in particular, after our little conversation about the television of Georgia during that last article, has brought our attention to a little nugget, also from Georgia, that we think might make an interesting article. So we're going to talk about that instead. And that is The Adzies. The Samson Adzis is a Georgian animated television sitcom created and produced by Shalva Rameshivli. Did you do this just because I'd have to pronounce Georgian names? (laughs) Is that what you were thinking?
2: And it's Rameshivli.
1: It first aired in Georgia in November 2009. It almost immediately became a hit. Inverted commas. (laughs) It almost immediately became a hit. Taking Georgia by storm. Also in inverted commas. And shooting to the number two spot among the most popular shows on one of Georgia's main TV channels, it has been described as bearing more than a passing resemblance to the United States animated television sitcom *The Simpsons*. I've just Google imaged.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely more than a. Have you seen, have seen any of these? Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. I've, I watched almost a full episode on YouTube. And
1: hey, was it? It's uh, insane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sa Mama, Gela, Samsonadze. Upar, Samšogloda, Ezoši, Dominos, Anači. Deda, Dodo, Samsonadze, Dia si. Arupar, Internet, Ivi, Dovrom, Ešinia, Visi. Švili, Čoka,
1: Samsonadze. Panak má, koči neviem, ve sekse predpítan. Ogon, kolo by ti robit stolad mojich Just your standard Georgian family. Yeah. (laughs) They're, um, They're all quite broad in the beam, is the phrase that my grandmother would use. Yeah. Large-bottomed family. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what they go for in Georgia. You just
0: know that grandma's big floppy boobs are going to be a part of a joke that runs (laughs) through the whole season as well, don't you? (laughs) Just looking at that.
1: The Samsonazis are a yellow-skinned cartoon family consisting of a dopey husband Mm. who works in a bank. So, shut up. Copyright people, he works in a bank. And his lavishly quaffed wife, <laughs> who live in a made-up city with their children, Sharina and Gia. They also have a parrot, Koki. Their home city has been noted for its apparent resemblance to Tbilisi. So they've got yellow skin. The Simpsons don't own the colour yellow. And I don't think that's what Tbilisi looks like. Vili has stated that the series aims to be relevant to Georgian reality and touch on social issues that will resonate with the Georgian audience. I, don't,
3: yeah, I didn't get that impression.
1: <laughs> well, that's because you're not Georgian, so it's not
3: going to resonate not. with yeah. You. Yeah.
2: Maybe if you. Can you tell us a fact about Georgia? Is there anything you know about Georgia?
3: Um, I think... The bad guy in Goldeneye, played by Frank Jansen. I think she's from Georgia.
2: Maybe, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, but does that give us any indication as to the
3: life of a typical Georgian No, family? you wanted a fact gave give you a fact. You thought you were trying to be funny. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Think it was an excellent job there. <laughs> what facts have you
0: got?
1: Hang Jack? on, hang yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> right back at you. And
3: who's she played by? Please checking uh, uh, Please be from Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> She's from the <laughs> Netherlands.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, but, that's wrong. But the character might be from Georgia. Yeah,
1: just because it doesn't mean... Family, who's, yeah, she's
3: who, not sorry, who's the...
2: What's the actress? Oh,
3: wherever I it got this from. K-E. I hope I'm right, because... Uh, he's so annoying. <laughs> yes! <laughs> she is.
2: <laughs> okay. But what does that prove?
3: It proves that i got a fact
2: <laughs> about Georgia. But about Georgian life. I can, what's yours, then? I haven't got one, but that's, I didn't make any of... <laughs> Um, statements that it doesn't sound so like. So I Georgian can tell life. you
3: as a fact the character, Zenya on a top, was from Georgia. <laughs> That's my <laughs> fact
1: for you. Take I, it. Oh, and I don't know if you noticed when listening to the podcast. Just how aggressive it gets inside this room sometimes. <laughs> it's heated. We try to yeah. tone it down in the edit, but the reality is one day these two are going to hurt each other. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a big fight, I can tell. Yeah. It's, it's been brilliant. bubbling
3: for years. Yeah, <laughs> I like hard. the layout,
0: though. I mean, you're both opposite ends of the table mm. with a big like microphone stand in the way. So. One day it will destroy them. It will be like Avengers. <laughs> Phil is just in the wrong place, though. He's just in the corner, rather than like by the exit. Many, people.
3: Exit. Phil's <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Many people have said to us, if it wasn't for Phil we
1: would already both be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Ramish Vili has stated that the series aims to be relevant to Georgian reality and touch on social issues that will resonate with a Georgian audience, while its chief scriptwriter Zviad Biladzi, explained, we just took an average family and made a parody of the common traits, like laziness or love of alcohol. The series has attracted some attention for featuring Russian leaders in a negative light in a context of tense Georgia-Russia relations. Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin appears in one episode, sending a spy into Georgia. Rameshvili described this criticism of the Russian government as simply our civil liberty and duty. The Independent, however, has remarked that there are no plans to introduce the controversial Georgian president, Mikhail Sarkashvili into the programme, and Russia Today has noted that the series' creators make lots of fun of Russian politicians while forgiving their own.
2: So I, I would encourage anyone that's listening to this to delete this podcast immediately and, well, maybe not, but, but go onto YouTube and Google... What am I on about? I'm talking like a grandmother. Go onto YouTube and Google the Simpsons, the Simpsons Georgia. Google the YouTubes for Google. Simpsons, Georgia. You can just put Simpsons, Georgia in and that will show you some clips of this. These okay. episode <laughs> titles on yeah. Wikipedia are just hilarious. Yes. These. Can
1: we each... So if we take a moment, read through all the episode titles, I would like to know everybody's favourite episode titles. So there's 18 Can we not just read here. them all out?
2: Because they're so good. Number um, two is good. <laughs> <laughs> Number two is incredible. <laughs> Phil, Phil, please read out all of the episode titles. I'm going to go for 11. <laughs>
1: mm. How to create a Samson Samsonadziz.
2: How to create a Samsonadziz. At least that makes sense, grammatically. Work on bank for one money. Just the one. <laughs> <laughs> please get
1: me away, cow. <laughs> Battle for movie, Keto and Kote. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. You're the evil... Double Gila. Dodo's Vacation. That's Evil Team. Gila Town's First Land of Santa's Surprise. <laughs> evil Samson Adzebe's family. Is that one really racist?
2: Uh, it might be. They're all Russian. Yeah. So
1: there's there's an evil version of the Samson Adzis and they happen to be.
2: The Samson Adzebe's.
1: Yeah. Is that kind sounds, of an Arabic
2: name? Yeah, it sounds like it. Oh that makes you feel uncomfortable.
1: The next one's called Simpsons on My Family. And they claim that it's not the yeah. Simpsons. Most money in family, most power on family. Dictatoring Ice.
2: <laughs> Dictatoring wait- Dictator Ice. The only way to deal with ice.
1: Yep. Hot Lava Land and Evil Dodo's girlfriend. There's a lot of evil going on Yeah. Oh. So, do you think
0: it's just a social commentary on deep political troubles in Georgia, or are they just <laughs> being very, very racist?
2: I'd love to see these episodes.
0: I think I would love to see them for the first minute,
2: yeah. And yeah. then I'd probably yeah. It's like, did, did you, to you see me... the American pilot for Peep Show that they did? Uh, yeah, it wasn't even like. Oh, uh, did they do oh, it was did the, the same format? Was it? It was just two no, was, people in a yeah. flat. It was awful. Oh, it was awful. Oh dear. I oh, know it was fun for the first minute or two, and then it just yeah. made my. It just made me want to cry. <laughs>
1: So we're going to do one more article with our esteemed guest, Owen Hughes. Esteemed? Nobody's ever described
0: me as esteemed before.
1: Well, that's our gift. (laughs) That's our gift from us to you for taking the trip here to join us at Wikishuffle HQ today. Our last article we're going to look at is... Fubbing. (laughs) P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. Have
2: you been fubbing again, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) Have you been fubbing... Behind the bike sheds again. I'm sorry, I was fubbing. Uh, All the kids do it. They don't. They do. Everyone's fubbing these days.
1: Well, it's <laughs> Fubbing bit...
3: here, fubbing there. Uh, good job there's a stop fubbing campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't like the sound of this. Straight away, this article has multiple issues, is the first line. <laughs> a major contributor to this article appears to have close connection with its subject. Ah, the fubber. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the fubby. You don't know yet. No, I feel really bad for the fubby.
2: <laughs> oh. Things have gone wrong for them.
1: This article contains weasel words, That's vague phrasing that often accompanies biased or unverifiable information, and this article may document a neologism in such a manner as to promote it. What does that mean? A neologism is just a, a, new, a new term, thing. like okay. Texting. It's not an neologism anymore. It was. (laughs) Okay. All right, I've got you. Fubbing is a term coined as part of a campaign by Macquarie Dictionary to describe the habit of snubbing someone in favour of a mobile phone. Oh,
2: like like Jack, all the time. What? (laughs) I'm reading the article on... So it's on your phone. (laughs) I'm not. I'm looking at the football scores.
1: (laughs) So this is phone snubbing. This is a portmanteau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know words. Of phone and snubbing. In May 2012, the advertising agency behind the campaign, McCann Melbourne, invited a number of lexicographers, authors, and poets to coin a neologism to describe the behaviour. The term has appeared in media around the world and was popularised by the Stop Fubbing campaign created by McCann. What? Do they need a campaign Hang on.
3: to stop that?
1: So, somebody decided that an appropriate use of their time and resources mm-hmm. was to start a campaign to stop people from snubbing people by using their mobile phones, needed a new term, and then have presumably spent money on this. It would uh, be the person mm-hmm. selling the dictionary, presumably, McCann Melbourne. There's
0: money to be made in selling dictionaries, I suppose. Well, maybe there was
1: in 1859. (laughs) I'm just not sure that's true anymore. Mm. The Stop Fubbing campaign site and related Facebook page was part of an elaborate public relations effort designed to promote the Macquarie Dictionary of Australia. In the media, the website was originally credited to an Australian college student named Alex Haig, who had been interning at McCann and was subsequently hired. A film titled... A word is born, describes the entire process, and serves as an ad for the dictionary. Okay, so it's part of a wider... How has a dictionary company got a promotional budget?
3: I don't know what goes on in the world anymore, Phil.
1: Fubbing in the media. The campaign was picked up by numerous media outlets because they're just desperate for content and they will take any old shit you throw at them. Oh, look, it's got press release on the top of the page. Better run with it. <laughs> Sorry, um, Owen, am, I slandering, I'm your, That's am I slandering your industry there? <laughs> it's not my industry yet. <laughs> the campaign was picked up by numerous media outlets, notably those in the United Kingdom, Mexico and Germany. The press reported on surveys showing statistics of the number of people fubbing and published etiquette guides. Oh, it's the worst kind of journalism that there is. (laughs) It's just non-stories. Just... uh. So, yeah, stop fubbing, everybody. And please, please, whatever you do, don't help the word fubbing become a thing. I don't don't think it did.
0: Like talking about it on a podcast. Oh, shit. oh no, <laughs> we're doing it now. Are we
2: uh, perpetuating no. this nonsense? Stop talking about the fubbing. No, stop saying fubbing. <gasps> stop saying fubbing. Nobody I didn't nobody say fubbing. fubbing. You were fubbing. fubbing. Oh, was no, I've fubbing? used it in the
3: content. <laughs>
2: <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's our beginners. I'm going to fub one out right now. That was episode
1: 60. You can't deny it. It actually happened. Hmm. We've got evidence. I'd like to thank Jack and Chris.
2: Thanks, Phil. Thanks. No, no thank you. <laughs> our pleasure.
1: And most importantly, for making the journey to Wikishuffle HQ and recording both of these specials with us. Thank you very much to Owen Hughes. That's okay.
0: Thanks for uh, inviting me
1: and providing mm-hmm. such a delicious lunch. Uh, <laughs>
0: the banquet. You've <We> raised <laughs> a banquet. banquet. Yeah. yeah, we put on lunch for it guests. It is a banquet. Marks and yeah, Spencer's is very
1: posh. We do. We've got a whole lineup of guests arranged for 2016. So we've got our next two already organised. We're not telling you who they are yet. You just have to keep on listening. Can we give
2: them a clue? Yeah, go on. Brad Pitt. They're both <laughs> They've both been on podcasts. Yes. One is a human man. One yes. is a human woman. Ah, clue. And one of them likes cross-stitching. maybe both maybe
1: both both that's a big clue it's a big
2: clue it's quite a big clue if you know who it is but we don't don't know
1: who it is anyone got anything else they wanted to talk about before we disappear no nah Owen remind us again where to find Fail Critics we've got all of our podcasts on the website failcritics.com
0: I don't think I mentioned it on the other episode but we are also on the Twitters and the Facebooks Failed Critics on there. Or you can find me personally, ohhughes86, on Twitter. But I'm not on the Instagrams, I'm afraid. So I haven't been able to follow Jack on there
2: yet. Duke Stevens, the best Instagram in the world.
0: Unfortunately, I'm just really not that into pictures of coffee. So. I, don't take pic- I take pictures mm-hmm. of
2: nice things. Nice to This is what Phil said on That's the comment that I made. But in if you follow the right it. people, then it's nice.
1: Right, we're off down the pub now. Yeah, Let's go do that. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you again on Tuesday where normal service will resume. Thank you and bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Hold
0: up.